This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. This morning, we'll be talking about the Rutherford County school system, and rezoning is one of those topics that is being discussed right now, and we're going to see a lot of changes with the school zones, I'd assume. With us this morning, we have Jimmy Sullivan, the director of the county schools, and James Evans, the communications director. Well, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Thanks for having us. When is the next upcoming rezoning meeting? We actually have one tonight. So our board work session is tonight. We have been with a contractor, RSP, for a little bit over a year. They're providing a new update tonight. Um, We released our new concept maps on Friday and an additional update last night. And so that is what is occurring tonight. The board will have its official meeting next Thursday. There is no vote occurring right now tonight or next Thursday on the zoning meeting, the actual vote potentially will be next Tuesday, November 14th. With the zoning, there has been a study, I guess, that has already wrapped up, uh, but this rezoning is needed because you've got not only new schools, but a lot of new neighborhoods out there. Absolutely. Um, And I wish we had new schools. So that's a little bit of our problem of where we are. Our last two new schools we opened were in 2020. We had Plainview and Rockville High School. And so by the time our new elementary school opens at the Beatty property, We'll be over five years between opening a school, and during that time, we will have added about 8,000 students. And so we're we're definitely a little bit behind. Now, I, I know you've talked about how rezoning should probably be, I guess, started, not the actual rezoning process, but the actual students being rezoned after that new school opens. Is that what is going to take place? It is. Um, so we're trying things a little bit different to give families a more time and also to try to alleviate the number of students that are impacted so elementary rezoning except for a small area in the laverne smyrna area which will be rezoned this current year to use some seats we have at our newer building at john coleman elementary will rezone in 25 26 high school exactly the same way in 25 26 when our three new additions come online and then middle school is all dependent on getting a new middle school built that would rezone 26 27. And if you would talk a little bit more about that new school on the Beatty Farm property, because I know a lot of people are curious about that, and they're also probably curious about where the students will come from for that school. Absolutely. So we already have that zone map as part of this process. So when the Beatty Elementary opens in hopefully a year and a half or two years, we already have that zone established. So our next step is to uh, send it out for bid in December and then hopefully secure county commission approval for funding in January, February so that we can break ground as soon as possible in March and April. Uh, We really have to have that school operational by August of 25 or otherwise we're going to continue to have more and more overcrowded schools and the areas that are going to be impacted Blackman, Browns Chapel, Stewart's Creek. Now, Stewart's Creek is one of those areas that does have a lot of new residents. There's a lot of new neighborhoods directly around that school. And uh, I know that's one of those schools that has been pretty tight on the population of the students. Absolutely. And we actually put a cap in place for new students enrolling to Stewart's Creek after fall break at the beginning of October. So if a, a new family moves into the Stewart's Creek area in elementary school, they unfortunately go to Stewartsboro, which is also a high performing school. But I know that families are concerned because they definitely move into that area expecting to attend that school. But we don't have any room. There's no room for them to go. So how does that work? If that cap went into place at the start of, you said, October, so if a student comes in November, then they're going to have to go elsewhere. Yes, they go to Stewartsboro Elementary. And then the parent, of course, always has the option to provide transportation. But we will also then, within 48 hours, um, 
in most scenarios, be able to provide them transportation. We just draw the bus route to take them to Stewartsboro. And how far is Stewartsboro from the Stewarts Creek area? Four miles, so not very far with traffic. Um, probably just a couple extra minutes. So what new schools are on the drawing board in addition to the Beatty Farm Property School? Great question. So we just updated. Um, it's not been officially voted on, but we were able to update it, our board retreat about a week and a half ago. We need, of course, the Beatty Elementary School right now. Um, honestly, we need three right now. We need the Beatty Elementary, the Beatty Middle, and then we need a high school on the north end to alleviate Laverne, Stewart's Creek, and Smyrna. So are there going to be three schools on the property, or at this point, just, just one elementary school? Beatty property, there will eventually be two, um, but I know that that's going to require extra funding that we'll have to go and ask our county commission for, and that's going to be a hard a hard ask um, because I know that they're definitely running into obstacles, not just to a growing school system, but with the other um, different services that Rutherford County has to provide. But ultimately, we're not asking for new students. They're moving here anyways, and we have to have seats for them. And if we don't get seats, then we'll be purchasing more portables. Those are our only options. And the cost of construction has really gone up a lot over the years. And when you look back at some of the previous schools built, for example, even Rockville, that was one of the more recent schools built. How does the price of construction for that school compare to what the price would be today? Almost double. And so Wilson County had a bid that came in just a couple weeks ago. Um, we opened Rockville High School for right around $100 million, probably looking at about $180 million at this point. Um, so Wilson County's bid came in at $440 a square foot. Just when we did the high school additions and bid those out last winter, they were $350 a square foot. So you've increased $90 just in a couple months. It's it's wild to think the prices have gone up that high. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating because to our county commission and to our funding body, it's why are they costing so much? That's that's unfortunately the cost of construction. If we had done, done this three or four years ago, we can all look back and we wouldn't have this big of a need. My worries, if we don't do it now, we're going to be looking at this exact same thing in three and four years. So you think that price is going to continue to go up? I'd be shocked if it came down. I would love for it to, but I'd be shocked. Now, with interest rates for home mortgages being so high, how does that impact the school system? Because do you have to borrow a certain amount of money? Yes. So that is really an extra factor to that. So not only have the cost of construction gone up, but the last time that we had a loan for schools, it was below 2%, and now it's above 4%. And where where do it schools get loans to build a school because that's something you don't hear a lot about great question so we actually don't have the authority to do that so it has to go through our county commission and through our funding body our school board has to approve it then health and ed at the county commission then budget then the full commission and then they go to the bond market that's a big process it is a very long time and that is why we started the addition conversation in february of 2022 and we didn't actually get it funded um, officially until june of 2023 and so when you're in the dire straits that we are we're struggling to get that. And we realize the burden again on the tax base, but we have to have a seat for our students. So with a loan rate for schools going from 2% to 4%, you're talking about a lot of extra money and a lot Absolutely. of money going towards interest as opposed to the principal. How yeah. long does it take to pay that off for the schools? 20 years. So they do a 20 year um, note usually. So it, it's really similar to like a home mortgage. Absolutely. That was shocking for me. I did not realize that until we started talking about the additions. Probably should have, but I didn't realize it the first time when we started talking about additions and it was a 20-year process. And with that loan, how much do the schools have to actually put down? So it's, again, all part of funding from our county commission. So it and just so depends what's, what's depends approved? Depends on what's available, what's approved, um, whether we have a fund balance that we can contribute funds. So it's, it's just a mixture. What area of town is in the most need for a school right now? 
probably easier to say which one's yeah not. which one is not um definitely the west and north side um it's hard to say that because if we shift and let, don't open Beatty Elementary and go to a, a high school on the north end just tomorrow, let's say we shifted gears, Stewart's Creek, Blackman, Browns Chapel Elementary are, are going to struggle until we can get that funding. If we put the high school before the middle school, we already have the two biggest middle schools in the state at Rockville Middle and Blackman Middle, who Blackman's close to 1,700, then they wouldn't have it. But then you arguably have your high schools. Laverne sitting at 2,200, Smyrna getting close to 2,300, and Stewart's Creek already over 2,400. So it's a all three of those in a perfect world. Honestly, we probably need to ask the commission to fund all three tomorrow, but that hasn't been what our ask has been. When you look at the Laverne area, because we don't hear a mm-hmm. whole lot about that area in the news, but when you look at that area, what is the population of students and, and how much growth are you seeing out there? Exceptional, especially as you look west of I-24, just in the kind of the Rock Springs area, but really all of Laverne. Um, Laverne has that kind of strange dividing line that is between Sam Ridley Parkway and you have construction on one side in Smyrna, one in Laverne on the other side. Um, it is exceptional growth. Uh, the, the kind of weird thing for us is the high school is growing, but Laverne Middle and Laverne Lake are not. And so it's, I think it's got to do with affordable housing to some degree. We have families who are moving in now that have more established students and they're not beginner families. And so that's a, a challenge. With affordable housing being a problem really all over the U.S., it seems like, how does that impact the schools? Because you're saying that you're getting more high schoolers than you are middle and elementary. Is that true just everywhere in Rutherford County? It is, uh, especially right now. Uh, we are seeing bigger growth. Our kindergarten enrollment is actually down about 200 students from last year. Uh, we expected that the birth rate dropped from 2020. Um, so that was somewhat to be expected. But then when you look at just your established houses, it's, it's high school. You know, that has got to affect some of the neighboring counties, such as Bedford County and Cannon County, because I know homes are cheaper in those areas. Do you talk to directors of other school systems? And- All the time. Unfortunately, a lot of our teachers are having to move to those counties because they can't afford to live here. What, what do those directors of those other systems say about the growth they're seeing and, and- like you were saying, it sounds like it's a lot of elementary and middle school growth there. It is, especially um, more familiar with Bedford. Cannon had to actually close four or five of their schools and consolidate because of a lack of students and just from operational costs. So Bedford, Marshall, Williamson, that and Wilson, of course, to the north is where we're seeing the biggest number of growth. Man, you, you hear about counties closing schools. That That's not a problem you want to have. It is not. Uh, that means that the students are leaving and you don't have enough students to operate. So that is definitely not something we worry about. And with teachers who are living in places like Bedford County, are they able to bring their children to school here? they are, as long as they're attending the school that they're zoned for. And even if they're teaching at the elementary school, they can take their kid to the middle or the high school that's zoned for that area. There are a a lot of, you know, costly issues right now, it sounds like, for the county school system. How are parents chiming in on the whole rezoning? Yeah, so several. We have been talking about it a little bit over a year um, we had several public input sessions three of those honestly they weren't attended as much as we would have liked we had a survey that was launched and then we of course constantly monitor our social media and are responsive to that and also responsive to anything through email and to our board members that we do you know it, I, i'm just from the outside looking in it's got to be kind of i don't know irritating at times when you don't have enough people to give that input on the zoning and and they don't show up and then after the zoning's done that's when they show up to complain it absolutely is and and you you partially have to expect that because unless they are they're impacted they're not going to Um, but then all of a sudden when someone's impacted then they of course want to provide feedback and where we have to struggle as a school system is that 
at some point we just have to make decisions and move on because if if we continue you take public input from this group you're going to make changes then you're just going to be in this endless cycle of constant public input when we of course valued public's input but ultimately we at the end of the day have to do what's best for our entire school system not specifically one specific area no i i know a lot of thought has been put into this whole new rezoning the whole process really and uh, the study that was done that was done from an outside source correct and that was on purpose so we wanted to try something a little bit different because when you're doing internal um, of course you have the internal pressure the internal politics we wanted a true outside perspective and really we haven't looked at addressing all three grade beds at once elementary middle and high school at the exact same time so we wanted an outside perspective of where are our seats where are we getting growth and what do we need to do and so they still have been very responsive to there have been even as of yesterday some changes that we requested for them to look at for us because they're not aware of the the neighborhood the history all those different types of things now with the whole concept maps out there because from what i understand they're not approved yet right so with the concept maps are those available on the school's website for people to look at yes they're available the very first thing on rutherford county rcschools.net as you click on it it has rcs rezoning okay so if you go to the uh, county schools website and uh, you know type in where your bus goes or whatnot that's still the old the current if you would map yes Okay. because that's all um, GIS driven and we need a an actual approved map before we can start building that. Now, when you look at some of the other schools out there, such as Riverdale, because I know some rezoning was done, what, a couple of years ago? It was. Which sent some students who lived in the Rockville area actually to Riverdale and it, it changed a lot. But with Riverdale being one of the schools that's overcrowded, it seems like it is at least, and they're adding on, and then you have Rockville. How How is rezoning going to look for those schools? Because everything was just rezoned right so what we're looking is of course to the east side of town we have open seats whether that's seagull and then at oakland's addition so we're making sure that we're we're moving students to where we have open seats the rockvale riverdale zone is growing quicker than that um my own neighborhood was rezoned during that time i guess two times in a three-year period that was really exciting Uh, so anyone unfortunately can be rezoned in this county it doesn't matter what your role is what your title is we're trying to do what's best for our entire district and when is you said the next meeting is coming up it's going to be what what is that so tonight we actually have our final presentation from our consultant rsp who has been down this journey with us we didn't just go rogue and pick them out of nowhere clarksville montgomery has been using them for the last three or four years they're also a very quick growing county in the state of tennessee and so they we have a lot of conversations with them um so that meeting is tonight where we'll present for about an hour hour and a half thursday will be a time for public comment as part of our normal board meeting if someone's to sign up they can just contact our rutherford county central office and they'll be able to show them how to sign up and then thursdays when we hope to have a vote on the zone lines and again people can sign up to speak before that in this meeting tonight it's a school board meeting and they're they're going to discuss Absolutely. all the different concepts and take a look at the different maps and proposals um, what are the school board members saying about the rezoning are they giving their input on it yeah and so we have that just kind of as back and forth conversation so it is it is rare that I go more than 48 hours without talking to every board member. Usually it is multiple times um, over a 24 hour period. So we also had a work set or a board retreat that was local back in the third week of October to where we looked at all of these maps as well and made changes. And we had a question asking, are any of the teachers going to change to different schools during this rezoning process? That's a possibility. Um, but ultimately, we try to make sure we keep teachers where they are with the amount of openings that we currently have because of new growth and new positions. When you're adding a thousand students roughly a year, 
you're adding several dozen teaching positions. And so for us, it's easier to shift those open positions to the new schools and then shift actual teachers and disrupt those families. And a recent study came out saying that Murfreesboro was one of the top 20 growing towns out there, growing cities. In fact, number 16 on the list. And with population increases that put us in the top 20 growth areas of the country, really, um, how do you how do you keep up with that? Because it sounds like funding, I mean, everything you've talked about, yep. funding is a major issue. We're at a tipping point. I mean, again, we're to the point that we realize that building schools cost funding and it costs money. But ultimately, we have to have a place for our students to sit. And if we don't have that funding, then our only other option is to do portables. And I don't think any of us want to get to the point where we're purchasing 20 or 30 portables a year. But ultimately, that's how many students we're gaining every single year. And so we have to get back to opening a building every year just for the growth that we're experiencing, not alone the students that we already have in portables. That that saying of let's get rid of portables, none of the plans, none of building new buildings is not to get rid of portables. It's to keep us from adding more portables. That, well, that's a good segue, too, into some of the the misconceptions out there about growth <clears throat> one of the things that we get asked a lot is why didn't we plan better why, why did we approve all the neighborhoods or on the homes and so we have to explain a lot of times that that doesn't go through us we, that goes through the various planning commissions in the county and the cities and those things uh, and like dr sullivan said a minute ago our job is that we are required to um, educate every child that shows up and we've got to find a seat for them and so this is painful rezoning is always painful but when there's open seats at other schools we have to shift some stings around before we can in good conscience go back and ask for another school and that's what we're going through it's the first time we've ever done a county-wide rezoning at, at the same time no i'm curious looking back over the years have we ever been in a position where the need for new schools has been as high as it is today well, we, you know, we've needed new schools for a long time, and we've built those. But it, this is, uh, like Dr. Sullivan said, it, we're at a tipping point. One of the first times that we need schools, not just in one location, we need them in multiple corners of the county because it's not just growing in one pocket anymore. It's growing all over. And again with us this morning, Communications Director for the Rutherford County Schools, James Evans, and Director of Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan. And one of the big things that people have been talking about are these charter schools and we have gotten at least two press releases for two different charter schools in rutherford county is that going to help or is it going to hurt the county school system i think it's too early to know um so we are authorizing two so american classical and then springs academy ultimately they're struggling with the same thing we are finding land and being able to build and so we're I think both of them are hopeful that they're going to open this coming school year, but with enrollments of three to 500, the only thing they would be able to do in starting off is even just put a dent in the growth we have next year. Um, again, just one or two schools aren't going to solve the issues that we have right now with growth. Now, I, I know charter schools have uh, you know built and opened in other areas, but here in Rutherford County, these are the first two. Correct. They are. What kind of conversations have you had with them, and, and are they positive, or, or do you see problems coming? I think it's, again, a little bit too early to tell. Uh, you do worry about the the aspect of education, because ultimately when it comes to our Rutherford County traditional schools, we have a lot of say over curriculum, instruction, making sure there's performance. Um, charter schools have their own board, and so even if the Rutherford County Board of Education authorizes, which we have for two, they ultimately have their own board as well, um, and then it's a 10-year contract. Um, if you have performance issues, yes, you can intervene, but 
I think just that ability to lose a little bit of control um, to see how our students performing is is scary. And then you also have to look at the funding aspect. Um, you never know how that's going to impact you. And how in the world are those schools funded? Do they get the same tax dollars you get? Yes, the, for especially from the state, um, they will get the same per pupil expenditure that we would. Does that, I mean, is that going to cause any issues for the county schools with that money going to this charter school or these two charter schools? It definitely could. We had our principals meeting in October, and I went ahead and told principals that it is too early for me to know. So normally we ask for about 100 growth positions for teaching positions. So those are going to be very hard to come by this year because until I know the true impact, I can't give um, out positions until I know that those students actually show up in our schools. And that's going to hurt us um, without a doubt. And I don't think the general public knows a whole lot about charter schools. Do student or do the parents have to apply their child yes, in order to get there? They do. So and after they apply, they find out if they're going to be accepted or not. Um, but is that whole acceptance requirement, is it stringent? Do, do, is there anything that you have heard about that? State law requires lottery, so it's supposed to be whoever shows up. Um, what you end up struggling a little bit with is charter schools don't provide transportation usually, and so you end up with, rightfully so, parents have that option to make that choice for their students, um, but it is it's only a certain percentage of students who are actually able to take that because of transportation. And are they going to have athletic teams that will be competing against the county schools, even though it sounds like they're, you know, in Rutherford County? So how, how will that work? They're both starting as an elementary school first, so they won't have any athletic teams at this point. But again, that'll be up to them um, for funding, uh, facilities, all those different types of things. We're going to take a short break, and then we will be right back. If you have any questions for us, you can text those in at 615-893-1450. This morning, talking about the Rutherford County School System, we have Director of Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, with us, and the Communications Director, James Evans. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. We have all the items needed to spoil your pet, toys, food, treats, and more. Whether you're a new pet parent or a very experienced one, you'll find the items and help you need here at Animal City. We are proud and thankful to be celebrating our 33rd year in the Murfreesboro community. That's Animal City. We're at 919 Northwest Broad Street, right here in Murfreesboro. Please check out our Facebook page. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. With cold and flu season here, nothing helps my family more than having the Demas's baked chicken and rice soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother, and we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by anytime today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick, or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Major phone carriers make you sign contracts with rigid data plans to trap you into a kind of forced phonogamy. Sounds pretty insecure if you ask me. At Consumer Cellular, we believe in a more consensual and healthy form of phonogamy, free of contracts and more flexible to your data needs. This way, you stick around not because we force you to with contracts and fees, but because you love our phone plans. Like ardently love our phone plans. Phonogamously. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. <coughs> Sorry, I keep coughing. 
If we're going to binge watch season three, you need Mucinex 12-Hour DM. It gives you 12 hours of cough and chest congestion relief. Mucinex 12-Hour DM tablets have one immediate release layer and one long-lasting extended release layer to outpace annoying cold and flu symptoms for a full 12 hours. Your cough is gone. Yeah, ready for season four? Let's do this. Buy Mucinex 12-Hour DM now and get 12-hour cough and chest congestion relief with just one dose. Use as directed. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Good Neighbor Talk covers issues you won't hear anywhere else. They're local issues. WTNS, AM, AM, FM, FM, online. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Talking about the Rutherford County School System and Director of Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan in studio with us and also Communications Director James Evans. And we had another question from a listener asking... The size of classrooms and how many students are allowed to be in each classroom? Great question. That is actually set by state law, and we follow it for a couple reasons. One, um, it's set by state law, but the second is that's how we actually fund our classrooms, and we want to make sure we're using our funding as fiscally responsible or as responsible as possible. So if you are kindergarten through third grade, you can have the average of 20 kids in each classroom but you can go up to 25. So if somebody says there's 23 kids in my class, well, that might mean there's 17 in another class. For fourth through sixth grade, the average has to be 25 students, but you can go up to 30. And then for seven through 12, you can have 35 students in a classroom, but the average has to be 30. So what happens if you end up accidentally going over that number in a classroom? Then we hire a new teacher. And so that is why the budgeting process is so important. And I mentioned that about the potential charter school impact and talking to the principals the other day is that we may have projections of new students that are showing up and we try to be very upfront um, when post those positions you don't want to be in august saying oh our students showed up let's go hire teachers the teachers are gone by that point Um, but if we aren't sure of our funding for the next year and what that impact's going to be fiscally i can't give those positions out because i don't know if i have the funding yet when you first became the director of schools because this is your second year now feels like the 10th but uh, yes <laughs> did you have any idea that being the director would be almost all about building and construction cost and uh you know funding for classrooms and no. i mean the, the, you had no clue that no clue um I'm a teacher and then just a, a leader by trade being a principal and being over curriculum instruction and that's what i love but I've learned very quickly that if we don't get the finances, the building, all the, the culture right, then the rest of it doesn't matter. And so that's how at least I'm living with it on a day-to-day basis of not being involved day-to-day in teaching and learning is that I have to provide the right environment for our students, our teachers, and our parents, and then trust our teachers and our staff to do their job. It's got to be tough at times because you're also, well, you're basically managing a, a huge corporation, if you would, with you know thousands of employees. Managing a huge corporation when you don't technically really have control of your funding. Um, it is it is definitely so we have over we almost hit 52,000 students yesterday. We're 51,900 if you include our pre-K students over 6,000 employees. 
and our funding is all derived from state and local funding so we you don't generate so when you were looking at it from running that big of an organization but you can't go out and just sell more quota because you had more students come in i mean it's definitely a challenge and in between figuring out funding and looking at land for schools you're probably meeting with parents for who knows what meeting with parents and then also um, still one of the requirements in state laws that principals are observed so i do principal observations about three or four of those a week so there's three of us that do all of our principal observations 51 principals uh, they have to have at least two two-hour visits and so that takes up quite a bit of time and then i try to go to every school at least once in nine weeks uh, the first time i said that i was like that's horrible how do you, can you only go to each school once in nine weeks it's only 45 days in the nine weeks and there's 51 schools and so it's it's not as much as you would like, but at least that way teachers and parents and students can see you. Now, as a parent who once had kids in the Rutherford County school system, you know, I, I have to say that I've always felt like I was right about whatever the issue mm -hmm. was. And I, I think that's how parents are. You, you know, they'll they'll back up their children no matter the situation, even if they're wrong. Okay. They may do that. Uh, but how do you address issues with parents who you know, think they are correct about whatever happened? I think first is you have to listen. So even if you you have a disagreement you can both at least agree that you're you're listening and from a different viewpoint trying to figure out what's best for the child in the situation and if you mess up you mess up and move on um, i think that's a huge portion of it we work with people each and every day and so people working with people you're going to make mistakes and once you make a mistake you just have to admit it and move on and it's almost like being a psychologist at times i would guess <laughs> yeah and i've been doing this a long time this is my 20th school year and we have learned that when you don't when a parent doesn't feel like they're being heard that's when things escalate further the first step is always just to let them know that you're listening to them even if you don't agree with what their concern is and try to give them options to resolve whatever it is that you've got to give them options uh, and it's very difficult to do because you can't put five parents in a room and, and get them to agree on how to raise a child and so we we deal with 52,000 every day and it's just it's just very difficult to keep everyone happy but we try to make all the decisions that we can based on what's best for the student it's almost like being a, a hostage negotiator at times <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I mean there there is a lot of listening i would say and uh probably a lot of negotiating it, it's got to be tough it is and then you also have to balance it a lot of times there are discipline situations you get involved with the the principal or administrator of the school is not only looking out for that child, but as big as our schools are, they may be looking out for 2,400 other, 2, other children. And so they may have to take a situation more seriously just because of how big the school is and the disruption it caused. That to even myself sitting um, as the director of schools, I don't know what disruption it caused in, during the day. And as the parent, you always, of course, want to support your child. And, and you know, I, I think for parents who grew up here in Rutherford County, went to the county schools, went to the city schools, a lot of them are still in that mindset of, you know, this is the school I went to and this is how it used to be. So it's probably the same way, even though it's not because of growth and because of just the variety of people who have moved here over the years. It is. We have over 100 languages spoken. Um, now we usually are averaging between 25 and 30 new English as a second language students per week that are enrolling. And that's just going in with our additional growth that we have. And so. It is definitely uh, a continuing, very, very, very explosive growth of a county, but we, we are educating everyone. And it is from all walks of life, every nationality, religion, they're in our school system. And these are issues or, or things that every growing school system, I would guess, has to address, you know, all across the nation. 
It is. What is different is that most of them our size are not growing, they're shrinking. And so we're, we're unique in that big school systems usually are consolidating a little bit and we're going the opposite direction. So we probably have a little bit more growing pains than most. Now, I know we, we learned what the number of students were at the beginning of this school year, but now that we're well into the year, what are we looking at? How many students right now? So 51,900, um, if you take uh, pre-K out of that, then you're sitting at right at about 50,900. So pre-K, three, four, five-year-olds are almost 1,000 students. Um, so right at 51,000, we added about 800 from last year. Is that a record for the county schools? Um, that number of enrollment is. The growth is actually down just a little bit, um, but we did a, a very hard push on making sure this school year people that were in our school system and attending our schools lived in our school or Rutherford County. And so during COVID, that kind of people, we were giving people the benefit of the doubt, but we need to make sure that our taxpayer funding is funding people who actually live in our county or they have a reason to be here, like you mentioned, with the teacher who has their kid coming from out of county. And so... I'm sure that probably had a couple hundred students that we helped get back to the county they need to be attending. That was nice. It's a nice way of putting it, right? <laughs> so, James, when you first started, what was the student population then? About 29,000. So we've grown right at 21, 22,000 students over the past 20 years. Did you ever imagine that would happen? No, and I think we had um, half the number of schools to about 26 schools when I started. So just to see the numbers grow and when we opened up Plainview, that was number 50, and I just thought, wow, it's basically doubled the number of schools we had when I started in 04. So in 04, were there an equal number of elementary to middle schools to high schools? No, and I, I couldn't even tell you exactly how many we had of each at that point, but we always have typically two elementary schools feed into one middle school because there's half the number of grades in middle school, and then we normally have a couple of at least two middle schools feed into a high school because high schools are typically twice the size of um, a middle school as far as capacity. So, you know, it's supposed to be a feeder system. But, it, you know, the history of the county with, you know, the former segregation in Smyrna and things like that. And so you see all these schools that some of them are right on top of each other. It makes zoning very difficult. And you mentioned even at that time in 04, we still didn't have traditional middle schools everywhere. We still had quite a few K-8 buildings at that point. And That's so right. we, we've really seen a huge shift even in how we educate our students. Yeah, we didn't close the last K-8 until Oakland Middle and uh, Whitworth to Cannon Middle opened in 2010. So, you know, it's not been that long ago that we still had uh, several K-8 schools like Las Casas and Kittrell and Rockville. Those were all K-8 schools and before that. And I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I was educated. If we could go back to that, I'd love it. Yeah, and I grew up in Cheatham County where my, the school system I, I was in, I was K-6 and then 7-12. So literally just two schools, you were the same people. It was a lot more like Eagleville than what we have here. But even there, they've broken up. It was on the other side of Nashville. And so everyone's pretty much switched to that that model of you know your elementary grade band, your middle, and your high. Now, when you look at, uh, let's use Rockville High School as an example. When Rockville was built, the thought was that all these new neighborhoods were going to be built. But there was kind of a lag at that. It didn't happen right away. And now it looks like it is happening. It absolutely is. And it's not just impacting Rockville. It's also impacting Riverdale and Blackman. And so we've had to shift a little bit of those zones. And we're actually shifting a little bit of Eagleville. So Eagleville is going to pick up what is some of Rockville to accommodate that growth. Now, Eagleville is one of those areas where... I think a lot of people thought it was going to start growing right away at mega proportions whenever the water system was mm -hmm. put in there, but it didn't grow quite as fast, but there are new neighborhoods there. 
I'm guessing that's going to be one of those areas, though, that sometime over the next few years, it is going to grow exponentially. And it is growing. What will help us a little bit in Eagleville is that we accept a lot of zone exemptions for Eagleville. So I say help us. We have room to accommodate the growth, but we won't be able to take the zone exemptions for parents who are taking their kids to Eagleville. Will Eagleville have to be added on to, you think? Not at this time, um, because then you're going to run into the argument of if you keep adding on to a school, why are you still keeping it K-12? And I never want to go down that road. That one is a... Uh, the sacred cow, if you wish, and I don't want to touch that one as the director of schools. That's for the next director, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Many years down the road. Now, Eagleville, it's one of those areas where, you know, if you go to school there, it almost feels like a private school or a, a small countryside school. Even though they, there is a big student population there, something about it still feels small. Yeah, I think it's just being located in a small town. Um, it's definitely unique that we have in Rutherford County that still have that K-12 through structure. Now, when you go out towards Las Casas, you don't have quite the same growth as you do, you know, in Rockville, Christiana, and then Eagleville. Correct. But Las Casas hasn't grown as fast. So what does the student population look like there, and is there a need for a high school? There will be a need for a high school once Smyrna continues to cross over Percy Priest Lake. And so that has occurred with the infrastructure being from Walter Hill, born and raised. I would love nothing more than to open a high school in the Walter Hill area, Um, but that's just not where the growth is right now. I anticipate that occurring. Uh, You have quick access to 840, quick access to I-40. We're just waiting on the infrastructure to get there. So one day, that that may be the next area for a school. And it may be the place that I go and open as a principal. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I know we only have a couple of minutes left, but tonight, the school board meeting, they are going to address rezoning. They're going to have the maps there, the uh, proposed maps for the rezoning plan. And there are two different plans right now that are being proposed or on the drawing board, right? Yeah, and it's really several. So we've kind of evolved elementary and middle into one final recommended concept, Um, kind of taking concept one and concept two that we originally had, taking public input and meshing that all into one the best that we can. High school has one we published Friday, but based on community feedback, we also have an alternate one for the board to look at and consider. Now, overall, have you gotten good feedback or just not enough feedback? A little bit of both. Um, So rightfully so, everyone, for the most part, believes we need to rezone, but everyone doesn't want it to be their neighborhood. And so I totally understand that. But we're trying to look at it from the lens of what helps set us up the best for success for the future and also take care of our students now. And and you never want to have moved students. If we could go through and not have to move any student, that'd be perfect. That's just not where we are. I'm I'm curious. Do you ever get input from people out there who, who don't have kids in the system yes, anymore? Yes, we do. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we, yes do. we do. Daily. <laughs> I, but probably more so. Probably more so than people in the system on some days. But, you know, everybody's affected by the school system because we're all taxpayers, whether we have kids in school or not, uh, or we've had kids in the past. We have grandkids in the school system. So everyone feels some ownership there, which is a good thing, right? But, uh, yeah, we absolutely get input a lot. And Probably one of the biggest ones I said, like I said earlier, is that people are like, why do you keep approving all the neighborhoods? And we have to explain constantly, we don't do that. And we're just here to, ed- you know, our part of the pie is education. Uh, whatever shows up, whatever number of students show up, we have to educate. You know, it's almost humorous that there's parents out there who think you guys control the amount of neighborhoods and homes. The other one that I think is funny is that we constantly get, that's because your teachers' union's controlling this. We don't have a teachers' union in Tennessee. So when you hear that, that is... We have a, a group of educators who collaborate, but there is no teachers union. It's not like you see on the news um, in California or Chicago. That That's not occurring where they're dictating what our school zones are or what our budget process is. So, You know, I, I can't imagine having to worry and, and work on 
issues with the union while you're doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And so we just have a collaborative group of educators that meet with me and they also have, um, REA has their own group, but again, being unionized is not legal in the state of Tennessee and it hasn't been for probably close to a decade. So that's just not the reality of Rutherford County Schools. Now, last item as we close, are you still in need of new teachers and what does a new teacher typically see for salary? Yeah, we're always in the need of new teachers. We're in better shape than we were last year. Um, our biggest need right now is special education, um, elementary school as well. And then you always have some some areas that are of need. A brand new teacher this year will start off with a bachelor's degree or bachelor's degree equivalent um, with 47000 And so our goal is to get to 50000 by the year 25-26. And that's not just a goal. That's a requirement that Governor Lee put in place. All school systems have to start beginning teacher salary at 50000 And you have already, there's already been one raise since you've been yes. here. Yeah, we did a 5% raise. Um, our board supported. They did a 5% the year before that under previous administration. So we've really done a lot in Rutherford County Schools because outside of um, your, of course, your classroom, you've, you have to make sure your teachers are supported or otherwise there's no one there to to educate our kids and then that is the downfall of a school system is when you don't have teachers to teach kids now if the state puts in place as fifty thousand for every new teacher out there is that going to put our school system in kind of a, a dire situation because then you won't be able to say well we pay slightly more than this county so come yeah, it's, here it's definitely something we're watching we of course want to always do the best that we possibly can um, but i'll give you an example, Robertson County this past year used all of their new funding and went ahead and went to 50000 right off the bat. And so we felt very good. We were doing a 5% raise and then found out that we were somewhere towards the middle of the raise that we actually did. And so that was a little disheartening, but still that was what we're able to do with how much that we have students and what our other needs are. But if you're listening, teachers, we're way better than Robertson County as far as the living experience here in Murfreesboro. So please come join us instead. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Again, with us this morning from the Rutherford County Schools, Director Jimmy Sullivan and Communications Director James Evans. Well, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Right now, that time, 8.59, you're listening to WGNS. We have more news and information coming your way next.